an A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy Prisner and Martin Holmes. Hello, Martin. Hello, Andy. How are you doing? Very good. Thank you, sir. Charlie Good. What are we talking about today? <laughs> well, another instalment in our unmissable A to Z of UK TV drama. Yeah. What letter are we at? I believe, I believe, if, if everything's running according to plan, <laughs> we've arrived at the letter C. Good wow. Word. The Sesame Street always always kicked off well yeah. with me. That one. I'm glad you're you're mastering the alphabet for us, for keeping it, it, us on it's track. It's taken a while. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what delect, delectable um, sea-based drama are we going to be looking at? Well, well, we have we find ourselves in the world of Albert Campion, Gosh. a series that was made in the uh, late 1980s uh, by the BBC. Um, featuring Peter Davison as Albert Campion, the detective, set in all in the 1920s. And the episode we're going to be looking at, or the two episodes we're going to be looking at, because they were always in two parts, were from the beginning of the second series in 1990. I think that worked. Gosh. Yes, and the, the story is called Sweet Danger. Sweet Danger. Danger. <laughs> Thank you, Michelle of the Resistance. Um, <laughs> we shall explore why it was called Sweet Danger later. Um, uh, okay. Because yeah. <laughs> I never worked it out. No, nor I. <laughs> I'm glad it wasn't I believe, just me. I believe it's based on a book. And the book was based called, on yeah. a book. Aye. So, so all the all the horrible, evil events that happened in the Sweetie Factory in yeah. the north. <laughs> so, no, this didn't happen. So, I imagine a lot of people listening probably remember Campion quite fondly and seeing Peter Davison in something different. He's very he's very good at being in different things as different people. He's never never been typecast. No, it's an in, it's an interesting uh, 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 series in the sense that it kind of was successful and then just stopped. Mm. And and they only made these two years of it, so there's only what sixteen episodes or so. Yeah, that's quite a lot, though. Uh, At least it got a series or eight two. stories. Well, but in, in terms of you know, when you think of how long sort of Quarrow went on and what have right, you, yeah, and and how long. I mean, I know they only made twelve uh, Miss Marples, mm. but they seem to make them over about 150 million years. You know, <laughs> there were there were there were, there were they, they were making it's every so often you think they'll never make another one of them oh we've done another one yeah. uh, oh they found another book behind the, behind the sofa yes so, uh, so, I mean there were uh, 19 20 novels how were they I was going to ask you that so they didn't do yeah. any, even half of them okay 
No, I don't believe so. No. I, I, again, whether it's one of those things that just got dropped because of a, a change of uh, management or mm. somebody didn't like it or whether I mean it, it's interesting uh, at that that time they were looking in many ways for a detective series of the kind of you know like Sherlock Holmes. Now, ITV were doing these Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. They were doing Poirot, and and I think the, this this someone said, "Oh, there's some books." <laughs> I mean, it is interesting. Um, it's, it's interesting. It's Tell me what's interesting, and I'll listen and agree. Well, no, it, it is that nowadays an awful lot of those sort of that that golden age crime drama yeah. is now being republished. Um, yeah, there's a series of books, you know, with all sorts of authors that people have no recollection of whatsoever. Yeah, and there was this 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 era when all the, and of course uh, Marjorie Allingham was was one of the. The writers who was working in that time, so so I think basically people sort of people knew about Christie, they knew about uh, Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes, yeah. and probably didn't really know much about. I don't think Campion was particularly well known as a character outside yeah. uh, crime fiction circles, so it was a it's a hard sell anyway. But it's also here we have Peter Davison. Yeah, I mean, what you're saying what you're saying about crime authors is really interesting because. I mean, at the same time, they also brought out um, Neo Marsh, um, Inspector. I can't remember what he was called, the detective in Neo Marsh. Um, oh, yes. Him. Um, <laughs> oh, him. And a yeah, bit later, uh, of course, Dalg- you had... It wasn't Dalgleish, was it? Was it Dalgleish? No, no, no oh, that's, that's Ruth Randall, isn't it? That's Ruth Randall. Right. Yes. Okay. No, no, this is properly from the same sort of um, period as Christie, a bit later, Neo Marsh. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad we researched this. <laughs> anyway, um, but then there was also uh, Mrs. Bradley, Gladys Mitchell mm. as well, a bit later on. So, yeah, oh, again... Of course, um, Diana Rigg, yes, yes, of course. Yes. But they're all very much of the same vein, and I, I, I really see Poirot in this as, as kick-starting this happening. Uh, yeah. Well, when when the timing is, a, is, a, is about... It's about synchronous with the first Poirot series on, on ITV, so it, yeah. it can't be far away. No, exactly. You know? yeah. And uh, and the BBC were looking for that kind of that kind of gig. Mm. So I'm going to attempt a synopsis of Sweet Danger because our listeners will not have um, have watched it <laughs> as recently as we have. Even though you you watched it a while ago now and you're failing to remember parts of it, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> But I shall have a go. I have copious notes that go, eh? Uh, what? I know. I've got that. I've just got one post-it next to me because I work on post-its, which just says, mm? I don't understand the purpose of the boat, question mark. But it's a big question mark on that one. I'll come back to that. Put right. a pin in that. Uh, Chekhov's boat. <laughs> okay. Sweet Danger by Marjorie Allingham. Adapted, no less than, by Jill Hyam, my old mate. Um, more on that later. Aristocratic detective Albert Campion is called upon by the British government to establish ownership of the tiny, oil-rich principality of Averna on the Adriatic coast, especially because it becomes a vital port after a sudden earthquake. Gosh. The titled but impoverished Fitton family lay claim to it, but the deeds are nowhere to be found. With the help of his loyal chums, Guffy Randall and Eager Wright, and his regular sidekick, retired cat burglar Magus Fontaine Lug, Campion must pit his wits against a criminal financier called Brett Savonake and his heavies <laughs> in order to unearth the truth. Campion is further motivated by the middle fitten child, Amanda, who becomes deeply embroiled in Campion's plans. With some occult peril thrown in for good measure, everyone is in sweet danger. <laughs> uh, so that's what he's all about. Yeah. 
Oh. Well, I think I think I watched the wrong one, sir. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh, you said which one was it? So, tell me, tell me what you think right. about the plot, the story. Um, to start with, I it's interesting, really, when 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 they adapt a novel into two hours, um, mm. how it, how actually it seemed to be a bit light on plot. <laughs> Wow. I mean, you could you could you could argue that there was a lot of plot, but a lot of it wasn't the plot. <laughs> okay, I tell mean, me more. I'm it, intrigued. Well, it, in the sense that uh, it, it it does the same trick or or lack of trick that uh, Baskerville's does, is that your 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 main character isn't in it for a large chunk. Yes. Although, really, is sort of kind of. You know, yeah. Yeah. So it, so it does that trick, which is kind of, I don't know, I, I, as, as an opener to a second series, to, to write out your main character. For it's that. a curious choice, isn't it? I had this in my notes as well. Why write out your lead for, for half of the second episode when he's yeah. hopefully the reason why people are tuning in? Um, but it well, wasn't... of course, the other, the other thing about that is, of course, he is in disguise. He is in disguise. And, and there is this whole black magic subplot thing but, that they are. But it doesn't work at all. Does it? Because because we know that it's Campion dressed up as the monk, don't we? From almost immediately, don't we? <laughs> well, you get that a lot, don't you? Um, I mean, it's I just mean, it's I, just too I, obvious, I and there's that... no peril. And then you have him stroking axes and holding knives that threateningly, and you know, well, that's Campion, so there's no menace there. We're not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but again, that's directorial touches, isn't it? Oh, this will add a bit of sinister danger, and you think, yes. yeah, but it's... But it, but it, but it's, it's. Oh look, it's a big axe. Ooh, that's oh, scary. let's but, let's stroke it. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, may, may, maybe, maybe there, there is an assumption that um, that uh, <coughs> other viewers aren't quite as <laughs> bright. Maybe, and probably when I was, however old I was watching this, I probably was taken in by it all and was shocked well, when well, the precise. champion was revealed to be the monk. What was funny? Well, though, this is grown up telly. This is grown, grown up telly. That's grown up. Um, you yeah, know. Davison dressed well as Farnan, Tristan Farnan dressed up as a monk in an early like um, all creatures great and small to frighten. Um... Uh, <laughs> so it was weird. Oh, the, was it was the bell ringing, again. wasn't it? Yes, <laughs> it was that bell ringing night thing as well, yes. wasn't it? The old church. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, bizarre. So, so, yeah. so maybe you thought, oh, I just, I just fancy getting me robes on again. Yeah, exactly. Mate. I'll happily yeah. do that. So, um, should we talk? Maybe they had them in stock, you know. Oh, these were, these were made for you. We'll dye them black. All right, I surrender. Campion. I forgot you were in the first 15. I'm sorry about all that, but I thought the necklace would be safer out of the way. But what are you doing here? You're supposed to be abroad. Ah, oh, yes, well... Hello. So you decided to come clean at last. Metaphorically speaking. <laughs> so what do you think of Peter Davison and Brian Glover as the main duo in this? Well, they're, they're, again, it's, it's, I mean, they're, they're both excellent actors mm. and they're both... Uh, and I, th I think they have a nice rapport, actually. I, I think I think it works. I suspect it's one of those things that uh, when you come back and do the second year, you know, it's old mates and it's all... Yeah. You know, they... they, they I, I, I can't remember quite... How, whether it seemed sort of forced in the first one, it's an interesting pairing anyway because him being an ex-criminal, yeah, you know, having certain skills. I mean, you could argue. I mean, I, I'm not even sure now. Um, the 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 
whether the modern world, I know this is the, the world we've moved into, mm. would would actually be quite as, I say tolerant, but understanding of a, a chap having a manservant. Mm. Um, whether people would would nowadays would be automatically suspicious of two gentlemen living in the same proximity. Oh with, God, with that hadn't even occurred to me. Okay, but but I, no, I just I just wonder if if now if you did it as as a series as a series it would be thought of as more peculiar. I know we've got Holmes and Watson and mm. there's all this tradition of it, but I ju- I just wonder if people would think nowadays mm. they they they'd step away from it or they'd do a gender change or whatever. Right. And I, I just wonder whether our culture now is actually a little less tolerant of that kind of friendship or well, surely it's, surely it's more tolerant in some circles and less in others, maybe though. Well, it? that's what I mean. Yeah. yeah, I mean, this is the thing we've we've become, but but we, our people's suspicion radar is automatically sort of set off, if you yeah. like. Uh, and 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 I think it's interesting. There's an awful lot of rewriting of Christie where where they they seem to misunderstand the fact that people. They lived. They became companions. Yes. Because of poverty, it was a job. Right. If you see what I mean, and and again with households that had servants in and and what have you, th- this was work for people. Mm-hmm. And I think we we now we we don't we we don't understand people living together in quite the same way. We automatically assume it's something else. You know. But the, the other side of that as well, of course, is that there were gay relationships but they just couldn't be out so well, they're also worth yeah. that as well so it's yeah but I, ju- I just wonder if 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 in terms of you know setting up a show like this now people would be more you know wary of that kind of or, the, or they'd have they they should we say they'd use the sort of sledgehammer kind of scripting that basically you know explicitly he'd be running around with a series of young ladies every week just oh, just to make it <laughs> just clear. to prove the point i don't know i mean because around the same time you've got the dorothy l sayers mysteries um which mm. i love with edward petherbridge and edward petherbridge has mm. always been um kind of questionable questionable sexuality in that show even though he's with mm-hmm. harriet vane and bunter is yes. of a nearer age and all that stuff and i see it more in that show than i do in this but mm. i don't know um it's an interesting one to see, yeah, if they made it now, how would it differ? And there's something that they do very interestingly with Sweet Danger, which I really want to come on to, which is the mm-hmm. character of Lizette Anthony. Um, well, not the character. She's the actress, obviously. But um, mm-hmm. the part, what's her, what was her name again? Um, Amanda Fitton. Oh, I've got it. Amanda. Amanda yeah. Fitton. Yes. Because in the book, she's 17. Yes. And at the end of the story, he says, in three years' time, you'll come and work with me. Yes. I'm sorry in the in this in the TV adaptation but in the original book it's 6 years later that she's mm. going to come and work for him at 23 because 20 is obviously mm. far too young but mm. also it's clear that Campion has feelings for her but she's mm. meant to be 17 in the book yes. which which is kind of a bit creepy because Campion's a lot older and I think what they did was they deliberately cast Lisette Anthony in the in the role so she didn't look as young and it was less dodgy yes Plus, she was the sort of go-to glamour actress. But of she's that a bit old sort of for era. the part, isn't she? Really, even in in sense of when when at the end they sort of say something about her being when she's eighteen or so. I can't remember the exact line. Do they actually say it? The, they actually say it. Wow. The, well, I've got the I've got eighteen and three question marks written down, so I suspect they did. Yes, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so the idea was eighteen to twenty-one, but in the book she's seventeen, yes. and so they upped her yes. age by one, and then cast an actress who looked older, so it felt safe. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. 
I say, do you mind if I scribble this down? It might help Eagle write with his book. Nothing like a secret inscription or two to give the author's work that authentic touch. Isn't it time you dropped all this book business? We do know who you are, you know. Aunt Hat is very good friends with some people called Craddock. She heard all about you from them. Put not your trust in Craddock's. Well, that's why we're so keen on you coming to stay. Apart from the money, of course. And why I've shown you all this. Well, does it interest you or doesn't it? Yes, it does. Because of Averna, I suppose. Miss Fitton. Amanda, look. We want to prove it belongs to Hal. You want to prove it's British. So we might as well join forces. I'd be a jolly good lieutenant. Funnily enough, uh, when you think about a lot of uh, children's literature that's been adapted for television, there's an awful lot of... Uh, I mean, you think... I mean, it's funny. I, I was recently watching Cat Weasel. And, you know, you've got a young boy hanging around with a very, very old man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so the, you know, the actually in many ways, I think in some, you know, you could have actually cast a younger actress and it actually wouldn't have looked odd as long as it wasn't played the way it was played. Yes. If you see what I mean. It was, it was played up as being very flirty. Mm. And that that's probably what would have thrown it over the edge. Really. Yeah. You know. Yeah, it's fine for Peter Davison and Eliza Anthony to fall in love because they look like a good, fine, handsome couple of almost similar ages. But <laughs> that, w- that would that would that would certainly uh, have fitted well uh, uh, in the in the mindset of the people watching, who would probably be in the similar kind. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, people like to see what you know themselves on telly. Don't can they? I ask I mean, you what you think of Lizette Anthony as an actress? Oh, please! <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, I, I know that I know that my better half isn't a fan. <laughs> She's variable, isn't she? There was some, there was some eye rolling. <laughs> I mean, when she turned up, you know, there's some eye rolling when gun. she turned up. You know, um, yeah. no, I, I mean, I mean, to be fair, she had a she had a she had a career and, and she had know, a while. Uh, she had a career. Gosh. Well, no, well, no, I mean, you know, she was. She did quite a lot of work. She did. Three Um, up, two down, I remember most. most There's a sitcom for a few years. There seems to be a tendency with certain actors that they get loads of work. Yeah. And it could come from reliability, it could come from whatever, but you get um, actors like, was it Michelle Collins and uh, Nick Berry? (laughs) 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 Who, 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 they seem to build, they think, who have we got? Oh, we've got Peter, you know. And Peter Davison seemed to be for a while that actor. And this this may well have more or less been one of the last ones that they actually built around him. Um, But for about 10 years, he was, you know, he was the go to. Actor well, for... they built the last detective around him later on, didn't they? And all that. Wasn't that's it? true. Yeah, that, so... that was a that was a shift to ITV, wasn't it? Yeah. Really. So, but um, and of course uh, later on, uh, Braithwaite and yeah. stuff. We're in danger but, of becoming um... the Peter Davison drama podcast. I realise. Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yeah. It, we it, can't it is feature Peter Davison again. Unfortunate connection, yes. <laughs> but I don't think he's in anything else now for the rest of the alphabet until about. Well, until V. <laughs> He's a, he's a po- well, possible the, shoe yes. in for very peculiar. Um, anyway, yes, well, yes. I've got a riddle for you. It's a three-two-one riddle. Are you ready for this? Oh God, no! Right. Okay. I can't do a Ted Rogers impression, but I'll do my best. No, I won't. <laughs> I'm not going to do an impression. If Pontus Bree would crown a bee, three strange happenings must he see. The diamond must be rent in twain before he wear his crown again. Thrice must the mighty bell be tolled before he shall the sceptre hold. And ere he to his birthright come, stricken must be my plaque drum. Hey, up. <laughs> Do you understand that? Well, well, 
I, th- I think I've won the bin. <laughs> you won the- uh. You're right. My packet drum is, of course, dusty bin. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was the only clue left. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a clue that forms the crux of the mystery, does it not? It, 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 and that, that is the actual one from the episode because because I must admit I'm sat here thinking I've never heard that before in my life <laughs> what you think I just made that up no no I, I think I think I may be um, I, 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 I may be mingling stuff in my head at the moment oh, okay. which is the Sherlock Holmes mystery with the the uh, where they have to find the thing in the house you're being the, very specific the, there <laughs> no, I mean there's a riddle, and the house, mm. the, the family have a riddle, and it, it's like again, that, it's yeah. one of the, it's what it is one of the, um, the sort of detective tropes, and um, is it not? It's not Boscombe Valley. It's um, it'll come to me. Okay, but um, you know, you get this thing where you, I mean, this is this is the one with the red hair, isn't it? Yes. So the red hair. Yes. So when the rubies are on the crown around the head, it means that they, right, they don't yes. show up. So you just see. The I knew stars. I'd seen it recently. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad you're so well prepared for this podcast. No, sorry, I just, I just may have, I may have watched something completely different that had another riddle in it. That's all. It sometimes happens. It sometimes happens. Yeah. So there's a nice sort of mystery element to this that they've got to solve three different parts of this riddle. And yes. So there's a drum. There's a there's a crown of well, it's a necklace. And there's also there's the bell. Oh my god, the bell though. This is very involved. So they actually arrange for a, a bell that's the same bell that. That was lost in in Pontesbury, but there's a similar sister bell in in the Pyrenees, which Campion arranges for them to have broadcast on the radio at a specific point, so that they can hear where the echo of the bell rings in order to find a secret box, which has got the receipt, which reveals <laughs> that this guy is the real proper ruler of um, what's it called, Averna. I mean, yeah. honestly, wow. Five more times to go, me ears I'm wrong standing. Two, not five, thrice the mighty bell be told. And then thrice more the truth to unfold. That's six, in case you can't count. No, the bell tolls three times. If I'm right, the other three refer to something else. Listen. The echo. I'm off. Where to? To find the source of the echo before Savonake does. It works. Can you hear it? What the hell is it? The great bell of St. Bede's, that's what the wireless stuff was for. Campion arranged for it to be broadcast from the Pyrenees. It sounds exactly like the old Ponsbury bell. Now, quick, into the boat. Lovely. If Campion's right, Metnick's receipt will be hidden wherever the echo is coming from. Yeah, take this. Just in case. Well, again, I think... <laughs> wow! That, ..that in the 1920s, radio was such a new thing... Oh, so, yeah. They, they they genuinely thought it was one of those miracle things that you could do anything with. Yes. Um, it's interesting uh, in the sense that I think... Uh, it's funny, I know we're skipping on to the end, really, but <laughs> I think that the audio in the programme and the way they do it is incredibly well done. Yes, it is. Uh, so the, that bell ring and then the echo and, then, and the fact that... The, and it goes on for absolutely... Bloody. <laughs> it does, but what I don't understand is, would that happen in real life? I don't think an echo is into a specific place like it is in the story. Isn't I, it just an echo everywhere? I, I kind of, I, I, I was, I was kind of bewildered as to quite how they would narrow it down to a specific point. Is it well? Isn't yeah, it, isn't but it? also, uh, surely any bell would make it make that echo noise. It doesn't have to be the specific bell. 
You would think. I mean, I mean, obviously the frequencies and stuff. You know, if it was a particularly deep frequency of something or other, maybe. I, I don't know about but you, again, but if I'd been camping, I would have thought rather than arrange this really fiendishly complicated broadcast from the Pyrenees of a specific bell, how about we just ring any old bell and see what happens? It just seemed honestly. So, so a little bit, of, a little bit of jingle bells on the top of the tower. Well, no, yeah, just I, any I, big bell in any church could be played on the radio. But I, I would think so. Yeah. But I, also, I, the person I, I who, who tell me something, who mm-hmm. wrote this rhyme and set this all up, and why? I don't understand and how. That. Did, well, again, that that that's that's the, that's the three, two, one question, isn't it? That's you know the, who. In the end, when these things are written, they're written because there's a solution. Yes. In in in, in dr- dr- dramatic terms, in the yeah. in the novel, but actually, if you actually think back to the practical thing of how the bloody hell did they work that out three hundred years ago or whatever? Yes, was. and hi- <laughs> so hiding the necklace, and then making a bell make a noise for long enough that they can work out where an echo would be in order to hide something in a well. Which, by the yeah. way, would probably get waterlogged. I was expecting it to come out like the Blue Peter time capsule, you know, and just be completely <laughs> soggy mess rather than this perfectly preserved scroll. And and the drum, which was just, yeah. honestly, it was just like, no, no one would ever have done that. But I, mean, I, I do like I a rhyme and know. I do like a quest. So Well, precisely. And that, that you know, it, it, it fits into the, the jigsaw of that kind of, it, it, that kind of story it's that, that yeah. that's precisely what it it is what it is because that's the kind the riddle is the story the story is the riddle yeah. and the story is built to match the riddle i mean the whole thing with the drum again was oh yeah because she stole it herself didn't she or something and <laughs> what well, amanda you know, stole it in the end yes yes yeah and that's set up as a, as a sinister and thing, peter davison actually... kept creeping into the house to do things when he yeah. didn't need to because oh honestly that was annoying but anyway, <laughs> I should say some things I liked. I did. I I, th- I think. Yep. Uh, uh, I think it might it might be a good time for you to mention uh, your good friend Jill Hyam. <laughs> I'm not sure it is. So, Jill Hyam, one of my favourite people ever, who's sadly not with us, but um, writer of Tenko and the first episodes of House of Elliot. She did loads of stuff, but she also adapted this. And I actually have in front of me. The TV tie-in copy of Sweet Danger, which belonged to her, because I got all of her books after she died. Um, Crikey! Yeah, you know everybody, don't you? No, you, I, I know. I'm doing that. We've done three of these, and you know everybody. <laughs> I like to pretend I do. Certainly, it annoys Alex very much on World Enough and Time. But, <laughs> but um, I know nobody. I just like to put this out now. I know, I've met nobody. I know nobody. <laughs> it's sadly not her version which she made the notes in when she adapted this, because that I would have loved to have seen. She'd have pretty Absolutely. scored out all the things that weren't going in. But um, I think she, so. It doesn't have I've, utter nonsense written in the margin. Yes, exactly. Or this happened to me in chapter thirteen. <laughs> 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 but the the dialogue's very close. The main, co- yes. I've, I've only flicked through it, but it seems to be very similar. There's not a lot different, mm. other than at the start it starts in France and various things like that. But um, I think it's fairly accurate. But what I, I find it hard to accept the way it was adapted. I really do struggle with elements of it. And although I thought she was wonderful on Tenko, I do think this adaptation was not her best work. <laughs> Well, I mean, again, adaptation is different yeah. to writing your own stuff. Yes, isn't it? exactly. Yeah. And I think That's she was always better writing her own stuff. Mm. Like, she effect- effectively devised House of Elliot and did that so well from the start. And mm. 
and the same Tenko and Wish Me Luck and all mm -hmm. those things, they were original. Mm -hmm. Whereas this, I think maybe she was too kind to Marjorie Allingham and should have got rid of some of the stuff that made it so complicated and odd. Um, there is a lot. There is a lot of stuff to throw at it, really. Yeah, but I'll tell you what I really liked. Wait, wait. I must tell you what I really Go liked, on. which is David Haig as Guffy Randall and right. Valentine Pelka as what was he called? Eager Knight. Eager Knight. They were lovely. Yes. His friends, weren't they? We liked. They them. could have a spin-off on their own. They could. And, you know, and, and 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 it was beautiful the way that it was played. That they had their sort of innocence about them. Yes. Because they were just. It wasn't that they were nice, but dim in the. Uh, because I mean, I suppose at the same time, um, the uh, Jeeves and Mustard series would have been being made as well, and they and they weren't they weren't the kind of dim users that you, no. you see hanging around yeah. uh, Bertie Wooster. So you know, they they, they were they were a, a, they were a bit you know a bit eager and a bit sort of bright eyed, which is which is nice to see. Yes, I mean they were basically they were there to be wrong about everything. Yes, they were. Just to make, you know. yes, it, which was kind of nice. Um, and they had to take up the slack when Davison wasn't around, I suppose. And I did love the bit yeah. where they were posing as lay readers. And they went yes. to try and get the drum. And it really reminded me of Box of Delights when you've got those people who are pretending to be priests. It was similar to oh, yes. feel. But, um, of course, they were good guys. Good guys. Tourists, are you? No, vicars. Eh? I mean parishioners. Ah. Of the vicar of Pottsbury. The, the, the Reverend Albert Campion. You m may have heard from a Mr. Glen Cannon. Concerning the Malplaquet drum. Oh, that. Oh, yes, it ought to have gone back ages since. It's been here for years. There's nothing remarkable about it. It's uh, not even dated. It's just an ordinary drum. Then you won't mind relinquishing it. A good riddance, I say. It was always in the way. Though why your vigor should want it back beats me. Yes, well, uh, we people of Pottsbury felt it should be returned to its proper place. It was agreed at the last meeting of the parish council. Unanimous. Yes, well, uh, people are very strange about church property. You've got, in many ways, too much plot for the two episodes. Mm. And yet, also, in many ways, too little. Yes. If, that, if, if, if you'd made it a three-episode one, it would have felt really slight. Yeah, but 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 things like those subplots would have been more developed. So yeah, my main, you know, it's almost yeah. like I'm dressing up as a thing. I'm doing a thing that's over with now. We'll go back to the plot again. Yeah. You know, I wrote down all the way through. You either know too little or you know too much. Never in between. Yes, <laughs> that's how yes, I felt absolutely. about it. It's like for the longest time we knew that Campion hadn't been Shanghai to go off to Peru. We knew that wasn't oh. him, and we knew he was the most. Yes. But yes. early on. We had no clue what the frink was going on um, and why we kept hearing about this financier called called Savonake, whatever he was called. And why why <laughs> we knew that this person was yes. called Peaky Blinders or something, Peaky Davies, I don't know what he was called, something odd. Um, so Peaky, Do Peaky Doyle. Peaky Doyle, I was close. Um, and at the start you didn't know enough and then later on it was like, oh, I've, I've worked this all out. And then again you started not knowing things, including... Right, tell me, Martin. Please explain the okay. frigging boat okay. to me. The boat which had all the, the, which was hidden down the river. What was that for? Oh, for and them to, why? Why? For them to escape on. Escape was, from where? In, in in case the bad men came, I think. But the bad men didn't uh, come. <laughs> but if they had. But if they had, they would have had a boat to escape in, which they took ages preparing mm. with plants in it and stuff and hidden it down river. But it was like, well, they never needed to use it. No, and again, I suppose it was when they opened the sluice gates, you could use it to give you power to push the boat along oh, if they were needing to make okay. it a, a swift escape. But again, it's... Um, yeah, I mean, 
that whole end sequence, like I say, I, I do think the sound was very well done. And all the dashing about. I mean, to be fair, that last 10 minutes works very well. Mm. Um, you do get uh, a case of, I've written it down here, Chekhov's plank when, when he steps over the, no, the breaks, breaks the plank. And you know that that means that the villain's going to fall through the bridge at some point. Because Brian Glover almost dies when he... But didn't they yes. make too much? He just puts his foot through it and they do the dun-dun-dun-dun music really yeah. over the top. And it's like, okay, all that's happened is his yeah. foot has gone through a plank. Thank you for the warning. Very timely. And of course, the other thing is that the water wheel death is actually quite gruesome. It is. It reminded me of um, Seeds of Doom, even though you don't see the blood in Seeds of Doom, do you, when mm. Thingy goes through the... Um, the Oh, the masher, the pulp. The mulcher, yeah. yes. Mm. Yes. What did you think of Ian Cuthbertson as the baddie? Well, I always... I... I always like Cuthbertson. Um, you know, he's, he's, he has he has a an interesting avuncularness about him. It's it's. I don't know whether it's a, from a particularly peculiar part of his career where he was playing more bad guys. I, I mean, again, a lot of people when they play bad guys, you just know. Oh, but he's an old sweetie, really. You know, it's. Uh, and I don't really know whether he Cuthbertson with the sweetie or not. But but having seen things like Charles Endell, and yeah. um, you know, obviously he's in that uh, Doctor Who story. Uh, at the beginning of the key to time Rebos operation. Rebos operation. See, where they break into the Italian. Um... No, no. But I was disappointed <laughs> because this wasn't the Incuthbits and I knew. I wanted the baddie from Children of the Stones. I wanted the Graffin Decay, and I wanted yes. the Gunner Campbell all rolled into one. And he was just yes. too low key. I felt. When you say immediate, how immediate do you mean? When you leave this office, one of my secretaries will take you to the ground floor where a car will be waiting. He will accompany you to Southampton in time to board the Marquisita. That immediate. You will be conducted to the captain's cabin where you will remain until the boat is underway. I have prepared passports under the name of Christian Bennett. I hope you remember to pack my woolens. Usual tailor has supplied a complete tropical outfit. So, all I need to get is a packet of seasick pills. I do hate that manner of yours. It, uh, it's not a huge role, is it? No. In the in you know, I mean, you get that one scene which is quite sinisterly played in the bank. Yes. Which um, where you know, where you know he's a wrongan and he basically sort of says send him to where it was South America. Yeah. Uh, then you get the um, slightly bizarre. Uh, it's not obvious at all that they've exchanged bodies. Thing. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so just for the for the listener, um, the one listener, um, Peter Davison is almost Shanghai, but he phones his accountant who takes his place to be him. And this is all managed by the fact that he's pretending to have tooth, toothache for a very long time at the end of episode one, um, just so that he can cover his face with a giant handkerchief so that the other person can become him with a giant handkerchief. And apparently, apparently, what should we call him? Mr. Parrot travels all the way to Southampton with the fake Campion before seeing him onto a boat and still doesn't realise that it's not Campion. I mean, I know, I know the actor Paul has got a funny eye, but honestly, I don't believe that was ever going to happen. Uh, no. Again, it probably worked better on the page. A lot of these things, you know, I mean, when you think even of... Um, uh, things like Farewell My Lovely and all that kind of thing, Raymond Chandler mm. you know, sometimes when you actually see them in front of you on, on a film you go you what? 
and, and, <laughs> you know, but right, we hey, we must come know. to yes. one of my least favorite elements of the plot. Okay. Mad, mad as a hatter, Doctor Galley. I mean, I'm sorry, <laughs> what the heck was going on there? Dear Richard Pearson, <laughs> what else is he in, Martin? What do I know him from? Um, he he was one of those actors who he was uh, he was always wasn't he? Um, Victor Meldrew's brother in an episode. I don't know. And uh, and he was the kind of dotty academic who turned up in Morse a lot. Hmm. Um, I'm not entirely sure what he's best known for, but he was in he was he was kind of the go-to actor for a lot of a lot of that kind of thing. But in this, he is absolutely uh, fruity as a nutcake. He's um, <laughs> Yes, at one yes. point he tries to murder all of the Fitton family in one go by poisoning them and then he's going to sacrifice them to Ashtaroth. But Ashtaroth did not come in his usual guise, but in his own person, as a man. Such was his power. I knew my spells were not strong enough to hold him. So I became his servant and now I am ordered to do his bidding. This is why I brought you here on the appointed day in the hour of Casile. For Ashtaroth can only be placated with the blood of two maidens and two clean living young men. Ashtaroth, I do thy bidding. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it, it goes Midsummer Murders, full-on Midsummer Murders <laughs> for f- five minutes. Because in Midsummer Murders, the, the denouement always is, and the explanation is, oh, they're mad. They killed everyone because they're mad. And it was very Midsummer Murders for a moment. I was like, please don't let it be Dr. Galley, and he's just mad. <laughs> because that's... Well, we, we knew there was enough running time left. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, very strange. Because he's... <laughs> he's beggaring about with claws on top of doors. On top of them door, where um, what she call them, lintels, yeah. and um, yeah. he's putting secret you... signs places, and he's giving oh, people the ubiquitous pots. pentangle. Oh my lord! I mean, it was it was a bit of fun, but it was odd, wasn't it? Odd. I couldn't be more suspicious if I tried. <laughs> no, I'm, exactly. I'm being set up as not the person what done it, Gov. <laughs> Bless him. Yeah. Yes. What did you make of the comic strip baddies who kept loitering in leather coats and sunglasses? Oh, well, I mean, I, I must admit there were moments when I was thinking of um, the comic strip. Yes. <laughs> Five go mad in the... Yeah. <laughs> mumble, mumble, mumble. Yeah, I, I wrote down comic strip. Secret plans. Yeah, it was so silly. But it felt like it was deliberately comic strip. And there was a feeling, are we trying to go for 20s, 30s, like comic strip and um, what's he called sapper writings of sapper what's he called bulldog Durman. it was felt a bit like that sort of feel it's interesting again that i've written down on my bit of paper here that the uh in the tradition of the jane comic strips yes yes very similar like that again yes you know, that you weren't meant, got... you meant to think oh this is a bit of boy's own fun sort of thing yeah yeah, yeah. So you get, you get, you know, it, 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 it it's definitely, it, it's interesting, I suppose, that it falls between the stools in many ways. You know, it's trying to be one thing, but it's also trying to be another mm. thing. You know, I mean, you've got, I mean, the Glynis Barber Jane was very heightened. You know, it was made to look like a comic strip, and this is made to look like Poirot. But the elements of the storyline are very much more Jane, if you see that. Yeah. Because later, when they made the horrible Miss Marples without Joan Hickson, the ITV ones, they oh, were yeah. disgusting. Mm. And they made them. Yes. They deliberately upped the sort of. No, say it like it is, there, Andy. Business. Sorry, <laughs> what's that? Dude, don't, say it like it is. Come Honestly, on. I hated them all. Pull, 
Um, oh, well, well done. Well done. <laughs> you earn brownie points at our house. Do you? Good. Well horrible. Horrible things. Vile. But um, they could have... Especially the ones that weren't even books that had her in in the film. <laughs> no, exactly. Or let's completely change the plot. Totally. For Indeed. no good reason. Yeah. So letter M's a long way away. <laughs> Yeah, if we do it, we're doing bloody good, Miss Marple, if we do it, I tell you. We're not doing shite, Miss Marple. Sorry, shite Marple. It's not even giving it a miss, is it? No, indeed. Anyway, sorry. It's also a lousy typeface. Where where was I? So they kind of made this... They did a sort of comic strippy feel for that, didn't they? For the title sequence and everything, to make it feel a bit more Hmm. whiz-bang 1920s. But they they resisted this for Campion. Hmm. Well, again, the, 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 the thing about series two here is of course it's it's the second title sequence yes and it's not as good where, is it where peter doesn't sing <laughs> oh gosh oh, that's the difference is it he he sang on the first i mean it's a different uh, arrangement of the music and it's just the car driving along uh, the first one is a bit more um well it's him singing isn't it going you around know, his apartment know, or something looking at what's in his house yeah i think so which yeah. i really it, liked it, it, that it was much more interesting yeah. whereas this was just ever seeing them in a car and they're still coming towards you for a long time it's like that sequence mm. in Doctor Who where you see mm. Bessie coming towards you for ages in Ambassadors mm. of Death I think it is mm. it reminded me of that it's like will you just bloody get to the front of the screen so we can stop watching you I suspect it's one of those feedback things is people really liked that car <laughs> you know it became one of those things because well, you know, it's a it's a Lagonda or something isn't it it's a, I it's know nothing posh. about cars never want to no, know no but I think cars. it's a it's, it's a very posh old motor car good you know and <laughs> I am and pleased it probably it, it probably got the Daily Mail fizzing like nobody's business uh, in their articles you know ooh nice car nice car you know you can Im- you can imagine that uh, <laughs> the Top Gear chaps would have been terribly pleased with it mm. so Let's not dwell. No, let's not dwell. It just wasn't the best. It's a good title music by Nigel Hess. Mm-hmm. Yes, we like that. Um, who also did... Do you know what else he composed? I think you're going to tell me. I, no, I want you to tell me if you've done your research. <laughs> 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 no, I'm joking. No, I don't, uh, I, Last of the I Summer Wine, apparently. Oh, really? Bally Kiss Arsehole, as we always called it in our house. Um, right. Hetty Wayne Throp. And my favourite, though, in his credits is... It's just because it was, it was a mini series that it's just you've got to see it. if you've never seen it. It's just the most camp, ridiculous thing I've ever seen. Deceptions with Stephanie Powers. <laughs> <laughs> I, to be fair, <laughs> no, that's not on my list. Oh, that's so funny. D for deceptions next time. Oh. No, don't worry. It's okay. It's not UK TV drama. You say dreadful old tripe, but it's very funny. But he did the music for that oh. as well. Anyway, Nigel Hess, I, as I, I live I, and breathe. No, I, I, it's, I, I don't I don't really follow the the uh, you know the the musician people unless I've heard of them weirdly you know it, it's it never crosses my mind that they might have done other things. Well, there you go. But but of course they would have done because otherwise they wouldn't have got a good. Movie, you know, it's, uh, yeah. good logic there. <laughs> I mean, if if he'd previously done the you know the opening to Heidi High or something, I would have I would have been more surprised. You know, but no. But of course, Peter Davison famously was going to become a musician after he left Doctor Who, wasn't he? Was he? It was an interview he did on Breakfast Time. Oh, I think bless he, him. Uh, he, he, he wanted to be a pop star. Oh, did he? We're in desperate need of your professional advice, because uh, <laughs> Peter Davison here has now been joined by his wife, Sandra Dickinson. Um, apart from his successes in All Creatures and Doctor Who, you're anxious and are trying to start a band, aren't you? What, what, tell us a little bit about the background to this venture. 
Well, I've been uh, writing songs really for about the past 15 years. I've uh, had a couple of things done, a couple of uh, television theme tunes for series, and also a couple of songs which Sandra released in the 70s. And I just felt that I, I had to do it before I got too ridiculously old. Mm. And I've never done anything really like that, but uh, the friends that I, ha that I have uh, are professional musicians, and they've all been in many varied bands, and they're excellent. And so we're going to concentrate on that now. What sort of music is it? Well, how do you, how do you define music? I don't know. Good. I mean, what can I say? It's not sort of pop music, it, but it's... I want to do it properly. This is what I feel, that it's not... Because I'm Doctor Who or recognizable, I don't think it's a shortcut. And I just want to do it properly. So we're getting together and we're rehearsing and we haven't got a, a recording contract or anything. And it's not going to be Peter Davison and the whatever. It's yeah. going to be just a, a group name. Yes. And we just, it's just something I want to try. And then we got Button Moon. <laughs> that was close. Yes, well, that's what I mean. He wrote the theme to Button Moon, which is probably more memorable than a lot of the pop that was written about that time. Pop. But, you know, no. I don't think so. <laughs> I believe it's what the young people call it. Yes. Are you saying that Button Moon's the zenith of pop music in the mid-1980s? <laughs> if you are, then you've got a problem, mate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying it's, a, it's probably a more memorable tune than some of the stuff. Still wrong. Um, oh, OK, fair enough. I want to talk about the producer and the director because... I want oh, to blame okay. them instead of Jill because Jill's my friend and I will defend her forever. Um, Jonathan Alvi Alvin, who is the producer, right. he also so produced... That's second producer, wasn't it? Yeah, mm. second series producer. First mm. series producer, mm. Ken Riddington can do no wrong. Mm. Tenko mm. producer. Um, but honestly, I blame Jonathan Alvin for all of this nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> Mainly because I'm holding it against the fact that I had to actually watch Enemy at the Door, which is one of the worst TV series I've ever seen. And he was responsible <laughs> for taking it down the worst blind alleys imaginable. And Interesting. Yes. Okay. So we're not doing it under E, I'm telling you now. Dreadful old <laughs> shitty show. No, I, I did actually watch episode one of that a couple of weeks ago. Oh, that's ago. not so bad. The first few episodes um, are okay, and then it just ends up being about road mending and how many vegetables <laughs> have we got left till the end of the war. That's <laughs> ah. all that happens towards the Fair end. Fair enough. I didn't get all the way through series two because because we were no, literally clawing at furniture and crying, no, renting clothing. <laughs> As in, we're not renting clothes to wear, we're like tearing them. No, no, I, I realise, yes. <laughs> I just, just had this vision of, oh, well, that's what you have to do when you're occupied by Nazis. You have to rent some clothes. Yes. Honestly, even Alfred Burke couldn't say that one, my lord. Um, Bless him. Robert Tronson, the director. Now, he also directed right. like shitloads of all creatures. Um, no. Bergerac, Nanny. Yes. The Guardians, which is that very strange series from 1971 that I only watched one episode okay. of, but it was intriguing. Right. But he's, I think he's just a sort of a workaday director. But... He's, he's the Peter Moffat of... Um, yeah, I think so. Of, I don't... of, of, camp, of, of sort of crime dramas, yes. if you like. <laughs> so um, I don't know whether we can blame him. I'm trying to shift some of the blame here. But um, sure, well, we, we could try and look for the, the stuff we thought was good. Let's do that, Martin. Go. Um, well, I mean, I, I would I would say there's <clears throat> there's, a, there's a lot uh, to be, uh, to be made of the actual period setting. Yes. You know, I, I think I'd, I I quite like the stuff in the pub, for example, and you know things like the the when he's playing shove harpney with uh, um, Scatty. With Scatty, yes. Yeah. And. Uh, and and things like that, uh, you know, and and there is there is quite a nice touch where where Peter Zavin has to push that old car. 
Yes, the old car, and he has to do it, and she's just sat yeah. there like Lady Muck as he does it. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Yeah. Although interestingly, of course, you've got this uh, notoriously glamorous actress, and you stick her in dungarees. <laughs> but a lovely jumper, a lovely jumper, a lovely oh, thirty well. jumper, and I love. But the best. I know this isn't dressed for success, but the best mm-hmm. item of clothing in the whole darn thing was Peter Davison's jumper in the second half of the second episode with a gorgeous <laughs> triangle on it. I want that jumper. It, but it doesn't get a credit, does it? No. <laughs> Starring the best jumper in the world. Honestly, I wrote it down first. That was my first note. I love his jumper in episode two. <laughs> I want it. It's mine. It's my precious. Well, maybe, maybe there'll be a... There'll be a... Uh, one of those sales. <laughs> oh, a Sotheby's one. On yes, Campion's Jumper from Sweet Danger. I'll be there. I'll bet at least I'll oh, bet you never at least know. a I mean, tenner on it. At least if you become pals with Peter Davison, he may let, oh, let you have some I've got my, I've got my um, fingers working towards that. That sounds wrong. I've got something happening there. <laughs> can, can I have something out of your cupboard? <laughs> yes. Can I just go upstairs? I need the loo. I won't go through your wardrobe. <laughs> I promise. <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so yeah. <laughs> I'm kind of losing losing the plot here. But, yeah, a bit like um, they did. Um, I want to get <laughs> yeah. back to Averna, the fabled. There's a there was a whole rash of these in the 20s and 30s, wasn't there? These these small little states or little countries or mun- oh principalities. Obviously made, obviously made up here. Yes, obviously made up here. Just like um, what's it called in um, Prisoner of Zender? What's that one called? Oh, I can't remember. Ruritania, is it? Uh, Ruritania? Yeah, something like yeah. that. But there's an awful lot of... Um, it's like the Mission Impossible where it's a foreign power. Yes. <laughs> and it's always an African nation of you. have never heard of <laughs> yes. it. And also, even as bad as Dynasty, where you had Moldavia for a season or two. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine there's a generation who believe that exists. <laughs> yes. What, I can't go to Moldavia and see where they filmed the wedding? <laughs> Look for the bullet hole. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See where Ali McGraw died. I want to take a picture where Ali McGraw died. No, anyway. Sorry, that's silly. We, we could do theme holidays. <laughs> you be Ali McGraw. I'll be um. <laughs> what's he called? What was the guy? John Forsyth. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um. No, I just felt it was very horribly colonialist. The um. There was the bad thing in the fat sense that. Of course, only he could inherit the son, Hal, because they were only girls, because it was Amanda and Mary, which is how it worked then. But there was the mm. fact that there was no, not even a question of that, which I was surprised at Jill's script, because she's such a feminist. I was amazed mm. there wasn't that in. Um, mm. Saying, oh, I see, the boy has to inherit, fine. But it's just also <laughs> this sort of British... <laughs> I'm going to ruin this episode. Yes, I'm going to ruin the plot. Avernium. Latin, legal, and a job for a classical scholar, but I think the general drift is clear. So that's it. And the signature clinches it, don't you think? Metternich, 1815. Well, Hal, looks as if you got your title back. And your kingdom. Oh, well, congratulations, old boy. Congratulations, But there's also this British thing of like, oh, yes, we're going to go over to Averna and take this... this place for ours and it's always ours and they yes. only probably won it sneakily in a card game in the whatever it yes. was you know and but blow the serbs blow the serbs who bloody live there although maybe they don't live there after the earthquake i don't know <laughs> right i have a big important question for you oh 
essential. <laughs> I, I hope you know the answer. <laughs> I know you don't know the answer, which is why I'm going to ask it. <laughs> why the frick is it called Sweet Danger? <laughs> well, the, uh, the, the particular uh, brand of wine he puts the poison in <laughs> is a sweet wine. <laughs> God, you're good at this game. And also, wasn't there a nearby little village called Sweethearting? Ah, well, there you go. <laughs> and I that suppose Amanda was meant to be sweet. It's a dangerous village. Yes, sweet danger works for me. Yes, I mean, of course, I mean, they are setting it up. I mean, you know, in, in the books, of course, they end up as a couple, so... Not um, yet, though. No, but I, just, I wonder whether that, you know, is, is part of oh, uh, maybe. the Allingham the master plan. <laughs> I see the Allingham master plan. A bit like the Cartmel master plan. Oh, because she's a bit sweet. I honestly yeah. don't know. Mm. You know, it's... Um, or, or is it just that they're all such a sweet family and they're in danger? Oh, God. They weren't a very sweet family. They were underdeveloped. I would yes, like to have well, seen Aunt Hat even being a bit more mad than she was. <laughs> she was quite mad, but I would like to have been a bit further more, a bit more Dr. Gully. Ah, uh, well, there was that whole <laughs> thing with the buns, wasn't there? There was a whole sequence with buns. Yes, well, but he kept I didn't throwing even the buns away. Well, I didn't understand that either, though, because he he hides one in a plant. Yes. Or no, in a in a drawer. No, in a drawer. Yes. I'm thinking of when I had some food in a plant once. <laughs> Was that at the weekend? No. <laughs> it wasn't. But I did once have to just to scrape something really sloppy, horrible off my plate into a plant, and I just never. Mm. Oh God, I've never forgotten it. Anyway. Well, of course, if you remember again, going back to all creatures, there's that thing with the very fatty bacon. If you remember, that, uh, yes, where he has, where he has to, <laughs> you know. So, so again, it's 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 uh, it's a popular idea. But anyway, so he puts it in a drawer, and then he's get given another one, so he has to eat another bun, and he yes. goes outside to meet whoever it was. Yes, and he happily eats the bun. He has two mouthfuls of the bun before he gets rid of it, mm. which doesn't make sense. Sloppy plotting. Maybe it's something they worked out in rehearsal after the Or sloppy film. direction, maybe. Let's not yeah. blame Jill, okay? No. Okay? No, okay. No. <laughs> your mate, your pal. No. Yeah. Hmm. So, do we like the relationship uh, between the toffs and the slobs, or the toffs and the un- and the oics? Oh, yes, it's interesting, the class issue, isn't it? Because, mm, um, there's there's I, I mean, again, you, you get... Uh, the, the, you do. I mean, I know we touched on it earlier. The relationship between uh, God, Magus Fontaine Lug, mm. <laughs> who calls that kid Magus Fontaine? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so cruel, isn't it? I'm no one. He was born on. He was, he was born on wrong side of the tracks, and his mother said, "I'm going to call you Magus Fontaine." <laughs> <laughs> no, Magus Fontaine. <laughs> Mister Lug. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, name this I think, child. I think. Like all of the Miss Marples and probably all the Poirots of the time, if mm. you're lower class, then mm. you're going to be a maid or a butler or you're going to be some sort of manservant or you're going to be a stranger in a pub or a person who doesn't like strangers in a pub. Mm. You're just not going to have character, really. No, um, but the, the, the fact that uh, Brian Glover's character, Lug, is able to sort of move amongst the, um, yes. the, the riffraff uh, does actually help... Uh, the story, you know, that yeah. he he can go to the pub and have a natter to to scrap. Scatty, scatty, he can have a chat to scatty, and uh, and nobody thinks you know bats an eyelid. Whereas uh, I mean, when you think of them, when the three of them arrive, 
and it's all about getting the rent out of them and they do that sinister she's sitting in shadow <laughs> oh, that was very odd wasn't it to get the three guineas yes three guineas each and, and because all the furniture felt... was wrecked yeah 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 all this kind of thing and she was just ashamed of the furniture and everything like that which again is i mean you know the shame of having been wealthy and and fallen to poverty is kind of interesting from that point of view and i but, I, um... I found that interesting as well and it reminded me of my childhood because my dad was a vicar and we used to live mm-hmm. in this small village in north Northumberland, and we'd have near the village these giant halls and some of the people who owned these halls were broke and there was yes. very much scratchy furniture like this and mm. very much trying to keep up keep up appearances but really they, they couldn't furnish these places they couldn't heat these places anymore but they were carrying on the family name and they were still lord and lady whoever yes um, but that's probably all died out now those generations but um yeah there was, well, there we was just don't feels. let people come in the house. We're so, we we have, we also we live in such tat. But that's <laughs> that's that's one way of doing it. <laughs> but then again, that's just us. Yes. <laughs> so I think we should summarise Campion Sweet Danger and maybe Campion in general. Um, thoughts, thoughts. What are your thoughts? I I think it's one of the. I, I mean, I suspect it's largely forgotten, and I think it is actually quite forgettable. It's it's kind of wow. A, a, well, no, it's a kind of run of run of the mill mystery series of which there was. You know, I don't think it particularly struck a chord. It's not no. like people fondly look back and go, "Oh, do you remember Campion?" No, it was sort of it was sort of there, and then it wasn't, and and they did two years. Maybe if it done the third year, you know, it would have sort of embedded itself more mm. i can't quite remember what the uh what day i think it was sunday nights though wasn't it i don't remember i'm sure it, it was i can't imagine it being any other night yeah and and you know i, I suppose it's like everything isn't it i mean you when you start to think about uh, series i mean the series i mean when when you think about uh, the ones that were on all year round you know the, the ones that people remember the, the the coronation streets and what have you because they're on, yeah, constantly. It's like habit forming, Forever. and and even things like you know, early Doctor Who was on what forty eight weeks of the year or yeah. something. You know, you are, and uh, I mean, I've been amazed at how many episodes they made of things like Softly Softly and um, uh, Zed Cars and stuff like that. And and you know, in the course of an average year, they'd make sort of forty of these things. Yeah, and and you just kind of think, I think maybe that's why they stick. And and these things would have been over. Yeah. Before you'd really got the hang of them being there, you know, the idea of them being there, and and of course, would Campion have been filler? I mean, when was it? It was January, so it's 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 new season stuff. Yes, it absolutely you was. Know. It would have been trailed over the Christmas. It would have been new season yeah. in January. Yeah, it's actually yeah. thirty years ago last month. Thirty years. Can you believe Blimey. it? Well, I, I find that hard. Yeah, that 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 does surprise me. I suppose you know, I can look at the numbers and go, yeah, it's thirty years. But but, it but does doesn't it feel like me. a sort of more recent series than that somehow? <laughs> so, but in that sense, you know, it doesn't feel modern either. You know, no, it, it feels like it shouldn't be that old. You know, but, I mean, that would make when you it, watch it, you realise it is. <laughs> would that make it more or less sort of same era as Howard's Way and stuff like that? No, it was later than Howard's Way. Later than Howard's Way. Well, I think Howard's so, Way was still just about going then, wasn't it? I think it was probably in its last series by then. No. So it's 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 I that know, maybe sort it was a bit of longer. I don't know. I can't mm. remember when Howard started. Eighty five, I think it started. Yeah. So I can yeah. tell I've really done my research on this. You keep asking me curveball questions, you see. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> about things I have not watched. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was just thinking in terms of whether you know, because obviously Howard's Way was a Sunday night 
thing, wasn't yeah. it? And I just wondered whether it would have been like a replacement, but it wouldn't have been a replacement. No, I think it's... it would have been more after Howard's Way, I would say. Mm. Yes. I'm, I'm intrigued to find out what was before and after it now. I want to know! Um, so if you could write in... <laughs> <laughs> What was before Campion's Great Danger? If somebody will do our research for us. Yeah, in January 1990. Thank you. Please tweet us to our Twitter account that doesn't exist yet, but it will by the time this goes out as part of a series. (laughs) Possibly. Always plan ahead. Yes, always. UK TV drama pod, probably. Um, Fair enough. (laughs) So, have you finished summing up there? I think I'm I'm pretty much where I need to be with it. Yeah. Okay, so I'm just going to sum up by saying, I thought it was. It was an interesting plot. I thought it was sometimes too convoluted and sometimes too obvious, um, but there was fun elements to it, and I liked the fact there was a quest and there was a riddle, and mm-hmm. I thought the production design was good. As you said, the sound design was good, the costume design was good. I felt that it was accurate to the book, having read having read bits of it. Um, yeah. but I felt that somehow it didn't just quite work. And also, yeah, I st- yeah. sorry. It's the BBC playing to its strengths there, isn't it? I mean, that, you know, the, the costume design, the, you know, the set design, you know, yeah. the period, period piece. Uh, I don't even know whether it's particularly, because, uh, because uh, I mean, Davison, uh, he, you know, the character on the page is him. So he's, he's not miscast by any in any stretch. No. Maybe it's just that people were used to seeing him in other kinds of things. Maybe they just didn't like him with his hair slicked back and horn-rimmed glasses. I don't know. No. You know. But it didn't seem to quite gel, you know. No, exactly. But and I um, think Brian Glover's great. I mean, I think Brian Glover's great in everything. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So um, we probably won't be seeing Peter Davison for a while. <laughs> no. In our, in our run of UK TV drama. But um, it was nice to spend a bit more time with him. <laughs> Honest. <laughs> Unless we do letter D. Oh, uh, can we think of a series beginning with D that might he might have been in? Uh, probably. He's been in bloody everything, it turns out. <laughs> so thank you very much for your attention as we covered letter C and Campion. Um we do encourage you to watch Campion, even though we didn't massively enjoy this particular instalment. I'm amazed, actually, that we found as much to talk about as we, <laughs> as we did. I, I was seriously thinking we might run out after six minutes, so so that was good. Well, I think and, we've done quite a lot more than six minutes. And I, I think, actually, there are better stories yes. well in the run. Well, um, I actually watched Series 1 a few years ago, and I think I enjoyed a lot of those stories more than this. So mm. there you go. So, you know, it's worth pursuing. Yes. Stick with it. You you know, every series might have one that's not quite, you know, yeah. the most thrilling. But then why would you kick off with it as the first instalment of the second series, you know? January the 12th, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, people aren't watching. They're still hungover. What? <laughs> no, I don't know. I, I, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's an old... I mean, January's a funny month. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny old month. <laughs> yes. Right. So, um, until we bang our malplaque drum again, <laughs> it's, um, it's goodbye from me. See ya. See ya. Bye. If Ponsbury would crown it be, three strange happenings must he see. The diamond must be rent in twain before he wear his crown again. Thrice must the mighty bell be told, and then thrice more the truth tumfold. And ere he to his birthright come, stricken must be malplaque drum. Jolly, isn't it? Very.
You have been listening to an A to Z of UK TV drama with Andy Priestner and Martin Holmes. Next time, do watch. If you want to get in touch with us or tell us what you think about the show you can find us on twitter at tv drama pod